Good morning. Preaching Jesus' name this morning. A lot has happened since the last time I preached. Does anybody remember what I spoke of the last time? I don't like to do this to you. Now you got me. I looked back and I thought it was... Um, yeah, I looked just on my computer. I had to look, so I guess that's how rusty I am. That's beside the point. Um, so this morning, I'd like to share with you something that I came across, usually in my preparation, I pull my notes together and then I would sometimes give them to Christy to look at and tell me if it's what she thinks, if it's good, if it's too harsh or whatever I need to correct. Well, this morning, uh, or what I'm going to share with this morning is something that I found in her Bible. And so it's it's her notes that I pulled my sermon from, so some ways, I'm still connected a little bit with with that, and uh, I'm not sure where these notes would have been taken from, or where if it was a sermon, or who the speaker was. But they were, I thought, very uh, thought-provoking notes. The only thing that I can come close to concluding is that it could have been when she was in Mexico serving there, because there was another note in regards to something funny that Gustavo had said. What I'd like us to think about this morning is our thought life. If you were paying attention in Sunday school, Jason concluded with those similar words about keeping Christ. I don't know exactly how he worded it, but he used the word thoughts and actions and following Christ. It's almost a generation since computers have revolutionized our lives, changed the way we live. But there's a word that became popular with those that worked with computers, and it was described as four letters, G-I-G-O. Does anybody know what that stands for? Garbage in and garbage out. They soon realized in the computer world that a computer is only as good as what you put in it. What you put in it is what's going to give get back to you. If it was mistakes, it was if it was whatever they were working at, it would only produce what it was meant to produce. Well, in a way, the human mind is consum- somewhat considered like a computer, except I believe the human mind is definitely more complex than a computer. But you know, the same concept can still be similar. G-I-G-O. Garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. Did you know that the average person has 
about 10,000 thoughts per day. Now you're all thinking. I see all the thoughts just steaming off the top of your head now. I didn't count them. I'm taking someone else's word for this. In a year, you're going to have three and a half million thoughts. If you live to be 75, you'll have 26 million different thoughts. Already this morning, when you got out of bed, you had 2,000 separate thoughts since you got here. And that obviously depends on what time you get up, probably. But you'll probably have another 8,000 until you hit the bed tonight. And then you start all over again tomorrow. Every one of those 10,000 thoughts represent a choice you make. A decision to think about this or that. Think with me. What if someone was would give you $10,000 and tell you that you have to spend it by tonight before you go to bed? In your mind, you would analyze, you would think, what would be the best ways to spend that $10,000? If someone would just flat out give you 10000 and say that you can go spend it on whatever you want, you'd put a lot of thought into that $10,000. It had to be spent before tonight. I'd like you to think about that. And then think about the thoughts, the thoughts, the 10,000 thoughts that you have today. <laughs> Do you put the same value on those thoughts? Do you value those thoughts that you have? Do you consider it? It's sad when we devote so much time to how we, how much, or how we will spend our money and so little time to how we spend our thinking and our thoughts. Our thoughts can seem so trivial. Our thoughts, are they really important? Well, according to Ralph Waldo Emerson, he said, Beware of what you set your mind on, because that you surely will become. So what you think will probably drive you to some whatever that you will become. Norman Vincent Pearl said, Change your thoughts and you will change the world. Henry Ford gave a different spin. He said, Thinking is the hardest work in the world, which is probably why so few people, so few people engage in it. Betty Sacco, two thoughts cannot occupy the mind at the same time. So the choice is ours whether or not our thoughts will be constructive or destructive. Change your thoughts and you will change the world. Going to Christie's outline that she had. The first point that she had was everyone has a problem or a victory in thought life because of what we think. And her second point was what we feed our minds on is what will be stored there. And I want to build on those two, those two points for a little. There's a negative thinking and there's a positive thinking. People can and do struggle 
with negative thinking. Negative thoughts poison the mind and ultimately poisons the soul. The first negative point is self-pity. We fall in this trap sooner or later. Life is hard for all of us. As the saying goes, life into each life some rain will fall. It's easy somehow to always think that we're always in the downpour as the neighbor is in the sunshine. Self-pity. We'll say, you don't know what I'm going through. Try living 24 hours with my day and see how happy you are. That's self-pity. The second point for negative thinking is blaming. This is the other extreme. Blaming is an attempt to find a scapegoat for your problem. You can't face life on your own, so you find another person who seems to be the source of your problems. Could be your husband, could be your wife, could be your children, could be your parents. It often is a friend or a neighbor or your boss or even someone in church. Blaming is dangerous because it leads to perpetual victimhood. The third point for negative thinking is the unwillingness to change. And I think this unwillingness to change is a, is a combination of the first two points of self-pity and blaming. Once you immerse yourself in self-pity and once you discover that you're a victim of the logical conclusion is that you can't and won't change. Unfortunately, this type of negative thinking tends to reinforce itself since you can't change. Then your behavior can't be your fault. So you never have to face it honestly. This person will say, it's no use trying. It'll never change. I have even right to be hurt. And I'm not going to give up. I know it's wrong, but I'm not going to stop. God made me this way, so it's not my fault. That's some of the attitude for unwillingness to change. Fourth one for negative thinking is anger and bitterness. Usually this is a logical outcome once you have begun to pity yourself. You become the victim. But the victim can't be blamed, right? Therefore, you refuse to face the possibility that you yourself are the source of your own problem. When others suggest otherwise, you get angry and defensive and bitter. You remember every miserable thing ever done to you or against you. You stew in your own juice over the slightest negative remark made by others. You bristle at any notion that your life could be different. You hold grudges even though you say you don't. You glare and turn your head when you see your enemy coming toward you. 
and you shut them out cold. This is negative thinking. Your thoughts matter. Negative thinking will lead to negative living. Third point in Christie's outline. You aren't what you think you are, but what you think, comma, you are. Now I want to flip to the positive and think about the benefits of positive thinking. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Paul gave us a verse Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 Finally brethren whatsoever things are true Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what does it say? Think on these things. The benefit of positive thinking. This first gives us questions to ask ourselves. Before we think, before we speak, ask these questions. First one, is it true? Whatever is true, truth is the first test. Before you open your mouth, are you speaking the truth? Do your words have a ring of truth about them. This question will rule out all the dishonest, untrue, and unreliable sources of information. The second question Is it noble? Whatever is noble. The word means honorable, worthy of reverence. It refers to that which is majestic and awe-inspiring. This word is used in another place to describe the proper qualities of an elder. Is your thought life honorable? Do you ponder things that are noble and of serious purpose? Or do you dwell on frivolous and trivial questions or Ponderings. Third one for positive thinking. Is it right? This means in conformity to God's standard. Not, is it right in my eyes? Or is it in right in the eyes of others? But is it right in God's eyes? If your thoughts were broadcast to the world to hear, would you be ashamed or embarrassed if others knew what you were thinking or what you would think of 
think of you. I get this picture, this mental image of maybe little LCD screens on our foreheads flashing across our thoughts. Would we be struck by what we'd see going through our minds as each thought would be flashed across in broad view? Fourth question for positive thinking. Is it pure? The word means undefiled, chaste, clean, holy. It touches the whole area of moral purity. Is your thought life clean? Is it pure? We used to say, or sometimes we say, Get your mind out of the gutter. If you live in the gutter, don't be surprised if your mind will be covered with slime. Fifth question for positive thinking. Is it lovely? That means to have love toward others. It has the idea of attracting loveliness as a magnet attracts iron filings. If you ever took a magnet with the shavings of metal, it is hard to separate those filings from a magnet. A thought may be true, it may even be right, but is it still lovely? Here is a simple rule, if you want. If it's not lovely, if it doesn't make you lovely, doesn't say it, don't think it, don't do it, don't dwell on it, and don't repeat it. Sixth question for positive thinking. Is it admirable? That is worthy of study and contemplation. Or is it cheap? This question asks us to focus on the things that are positive, not negative. Constructive, not destructive. Things that build up and not tear down. This means that sometimes we need to edit our words we may need to delete some words from our vocabulary that are not admirable. Fourth point that Christy had in her outline. Our thought life is like a silo. If you put good feet in, you'll get good feet out. If you put four poor feet in, you get poor feet out. I like this point because it relates to my job. If you want cows to milk good, you put feed away and store it, it has to be good. It takes work, it takes hard work. If you want to change your thought life, it's going to take work. 
and it may take hard work. It doesn't just happen. Fifth point she had. So what we choose to put in our mind will go to our heart. Turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark 7 verse 14. Read verse 14 through 23. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entereth into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable, and he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever things from within entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purgeth all the meat. And he said, That which cometh out of a man, that defileth the man, for from within, out of the heart of the man proceedeth evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. By feeding on the wicked things, they go to the heart, and then these evil things will return, will return out. Page back to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of the thorns men do not gather figs, nor of the bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. What we dwell on, what we feed on, what we think, what goes in, it's either going to hurt us or it's going to help us. There is no more search, searching measure of your life than your thoughts. This is one of the easiest tests to apply to yourself. Who you really are is demonstrated in your thoughts. Your thoughts express your inner person, your motives, your desires, aims, feelings, and the principles that will govern your life. 
Your thoughts and your will are closely related. Your thoughts and your will will express and control your soul. God constantly notes and evaluates our thoughts. To a godly, spirit-filled person, this is usually a comfort and a joy. You are glad that God knows you're through and through. He knows your thoughts. You have nothing to hide. You are totally open to God. David had this concept very well. In Psalms 139, he said, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Before a word is even in my tongue, you know it completely. David had it right when he understood that. How gladly David opened his heart totally to God. He concluded that Psalms, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Probe me. And know my anxious thoughts. And find if there be any offensive way in me. Holiness is life. Beginning with cleaning and empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And it has to start with your heart. If you want to get real hold of changing your thoughts and your thought life, you're going to have to have a change of heart and that experience with God. You maybe can try it on your own, but it won't last. And even with a heart changed and experience with God, you're still human. There will still be times that you'll mess up. But as you endeavor to change and to live out that experience of positive thinking instead of negative thinking, it will, it will change. Both the New Testament and Old Testament illustrate the importance of our thoughts, of our thought life. Thoughts measure you as a person. Proverbs 23, 7. As he thinks in his heart, so he is. And then Matthew 12, 34. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You are no greater than your thoughts. No more holier than your thoughts. You are no more loving humble or patient than your thoughts. You are what you choose to think upon. Romans 2, verse 15. Romans 2, 15 and 16 which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts 
the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. The judgment that will come to us based on our thoughts, every thought that we've had, those 10,000 thoughts a day, according to this verse, if they are done in secret and there's evil intent, we will be judged accordingly. There was a man named John Fletcher. He was a co-worker to John Wesley. He was, who was said by Wesley to be the godliest person he had ever known. But Fletcher had been a person with a strong temper, and he had often lay on the floor in agony of heart and pleading and prayed for hours and sometimes the whole night to be delivered from his temper. He received an overwhelming experience by being filled with the Spirit. God manifested his love to him. And Fletcher feared that he would die from the glory. Wesley testified that from then on, for more than 30 years, Fletcher never, Wesley never saw Fletcher out of temper again or heard him utter utter any rash expression. There's an example of a man who wanted a change, and God was faithful in helping him with that. Measure your life by your thoughts today, and you will have nothing to be ashamed of when the motives of your heart are revealed at the judgment of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 4 5. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to. 1 Corinthians 4 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden thing of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. There will be no secrets to hide from God. We're in our, in our Sunday school lesson. We're looking at Saul and the outcome that he had. But I find it interesting the attitude that David had. And I believe David had a concern for his thoughts. He wanted God to search him and to find if there's anything in him that would be wicked. God, I believe, did that for David. David was still human. David still failed. But David, what does God say? Was a man after God's own heart. Psalms 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I believe that was the attitude that David had. 
Psalms 139.23, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior. I know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be any wicked way in me, and cleanse me from every sin, and set me free. Let's start our day thinking about what we're going to, what we're going to dwell on, what we will fill our mind with. What will those ten thousand thoughts be? Is it constructive or destructive? Is it pleasing to the Lord? In closing, read to you a little. Call it a story of relating to thinking and your thoughts. If you exercise no control, it will become a wheat patch and a source of shame and misery. If you exercise wise control, then it will be filled with God's miracles and become a place of indescribable beauty. You are free to choose which. How can you do it? Simply. For example, develop a habit of looking for each thought as you would a plant. Is it worthy? If it is, if it fits the plan you desire for your mind, cultivate it. If not, replace it. How do you get it out of your mind? Simply by putting in its place two or three thoughts of love or worship. For no mind can dwell on more than two or three thoughts at one time. Circumstance outside the garden of your mind do not shape you. You shape them. For example, if you expect treachery, allowing those thoughts to dwell in your mind, you will get it. If you fill your mind with thoughts of love, you will give love and get it. If you think little of God, He will be far from you. If you think often of God, the Holy Spirit will dwell more in you. The glory of the universe is open to every man. Some look and see, some look and see not. Gardens are not made in a day. God gave you one lifetime for the job. Control of your garden or your mind grows with practice and study of wisdom and other minds have bequeathed to you. He who produces an item of unique beauty in his garden or in his mind may have a duty to give that seed to others. As your body is the dwelling place of your mind, so is your mind the dwelling place of your soul. The mind you, do, the mind you develop is your dwelling place. For all your days on earth, the soul you develop on earth may be the soul you are stuck with for eternity. God has given you the choice. The Lord bless you as you challenge your thoughts.